Hey guys, welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. Just put on your seatbelt. We're starting a new series that's called Fully Defined. And I just wanna encourage you to download the notes, click download notes, if you're watching this for a couple of reasons. One is we learn better, all the social scientists say, we learn better when we hear, uh, when we see the scripture, when we write it in, your learning level goes up. But here's the big reason why I want you to download the notes. I want you to teach this on a Zoom call with your men's group at church, at your church. That's why I put the notes together is to multiply the movement through you. So make sure that you download the notes. Like I said, we're starting a new series called Fully Defined. And to get us thinking in the right direction, I want you to answer a question for me. Can you think of a time in your life, you ready? Where something happened or you made a decision that you would call a defining moment in your life. Think about it, all right? A defining moment is a point in your life when you're urged to make a pivotal decision or when you experience something that fundamentally changes your trajectory for a long period of time, if not for the rest of your life. Defining moments have this transformational effect on us. It affects how we think. It affects our self-perception. It affects our views and attitudes toward um, each other, right? It affects our approach to life and relationships. It impacts our attitudes uh, toward what's gonna happen next. It impacts our purpose and life mission. So kind of to go from here, a defining moment to maybe some practical defining moments. Um, think about having a baby, getting engaged, getting married, suffering a divorce maybe, graduating college, starting a new job, leaving an old job, all right? beginning a new business, becoming an entrepreneur, uh, taking the trip of a lifetime, all right? Or maybe it's losing a loved one. You see, on earth you have some key moments in your life that really change the trajectory of your life. I mean, for me, uh, I remember being in college and smuggling Bibles into the Soviet Union with three other dudes. That was a defining moment in my life, especially in my walk with God. But I remember traveling Europe in college, the first time I had kind of seen, you know, the world, uh, at least a big chunk of the world, uh, certainly marrying Chrissy, certainly moving to the great state of Texas, right, for my first job, and then God calling me back home to the left coast, California, right? Uh, helping to start a healthcare company. That was a huge defining moment which changed the trajectory of my life going forward. And then um, leaving that company and firing myself and starting Everyman Ministries, right? But I have to say the single most defining moment of life for me, and you probably expect me to say this, was when I personally and on my own, placed my faith in Jesus as the Son of God and his work for me on the cross. Why? Because no dimension of my life 
ongoing, no matter where I was or what I was doing. No dimension of my life, no season of life, no relationship in my life, no adventure in my life was untouched forever by that single relationship, and it is still forming me today. And the Bible says that that's God's intention, right? When you decide to cross the line into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, a supernatural process, a transforming process begins that fully defines my identity, who, who I think I am, where I came from, where I'm going. It fully defines your energy because whatever commands your identity commands your energy. You start reallocating energy from certain places toward the things of God. And so then it turns into this expression of a life that continues to get lived out and worked out for the rest of your days on earth. And in this series, we're gonna explore the five powerful ways a relationship with Christ is intended to fully define your life right now. And we're gonna start in part one by, by just getting God's mind. We're gonna get a basis for the series, just let's pour some concrete, let's pour some sound foundations. By getting God's mind just on our relationship, how does he think about it? And then we can get into how we are fully defined by Jesus's life. Part two, we are fully defined by his death and crucifixion. We are fully identified and defined by his resurrection. We are fully defined and identified by his position, seated at the right hand of God right now. That's part four. And then lastly, we are fully defined by his ultimate glory. And so it's gonna be a great ride. I hope that you'll be with us each of the sessions and that you'll invite some buddies to do that. So let's start part one. Make sure you got your notes out, click download, print those out and get those in front of you. If you don't, for some reason, have the notes, they're gonna be on the screen. And let's, let's just start off getting a foundation. Let's get God's mind on our relationship with Him so that we can be clear and we can either align with God's mindset about how He feels this relationship works or, for some of us, realign our mindset with Him in mind. And I, I chose a verse out of Jeremiah because it really speaks to dudes, all right? And I think you, after you hear me read it, you'll understand why. But it's God, and he's talking to his community of men. And um, listen to what he says, Jeremiah chapter four, verses three and four. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and to Jerusalem, quote, break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns circumcise yourselves to the Lord and remove the foreskins of your heart. Now you understand why I said this is kind of a dude verse. <laughs> He's not talking to the women. He is talking to his community of men. They're sons of covenant, but there's an issue. 
going on. So they're identified, but they're not fully defined with God. And you can see it in the language that God uses. He tells them to break up their fallow or unplowed ground, okay? And it's a picture of hard soil. It's not productive, okay? So in this relationship, God wants our relationship to produce fruit, but it can't produce fruit if in the farming sense, we are sowing and putting our energy into the area of ground that, that is filled with weeds and thorns. So God says, hey, you gotta break up this ground and work, work this ground and, and make it productive and stop putting your energy over here. And in the Bible, when you hear in the Old Testament these agricultural metaphors for having a relationship with God, it's usually a call to come back to him, realign with him. It's God expressing his heart and he's saying, hey, you know what? Our relationship is unfruitful right now because you're putting your energy in the wrong spot. And when the Bible says, do not sow among thwarts, you can just write an equal sign, right? The world, right? Culture, godless systems of belief, systems of belief that involve idol worship. Okay, so they're putting their energy not into the relationship, they're putting it into the world, right? So that's why God says, break up your fallow ground, don't sow among thorns. And then there's this image, and it's certainly masculine, where he says, circumcise yourselves to the Lord, all right? Now, they would think, you know, a Hebrew man would go, well, that's what sets us apart. You know, when God told Abraham to make sure that the men of Israel circumcised themselves, it was because um, in the act of being a man and in the act of being a human being and seeing a body part, it would remind the men like, okay, I'm set apart unto God. It was a marker. It was a physical symbol of a spiritual reality about their identity. I am at the most central part of my body, which makes me a man. I am God's man. And that's why God uses this reference. Hey, circumcise yourselves to the Lord, right? Set yourself apart in your identity to the Lord. So he's using something that's very familiar with them that is very defining, right? And then he also says, and remove the foreskins of your heart. So there is an obstacle. There's something um, getting in the way. And I know, <laughs> I know this is graphic, but it's something that is personal and that they get, right? There's, there, there's something covering them that where they look like the rest of the culture, right? The uncircumcised culture that doesn't believe in the one true God. And so... You see God making a point, right? And he's got their attention, just like I have your attention. But God wants to be first. Just let's say that together. God wants to be first. That's right. When, when it comes to our relationship with him, he wants your allegiance. He wants your loyalty. He wants to be first. He wants your love. He is number one. Why? Because you're created by him, you're created for him, and one day you're gonna go to him. He's your creator. He wants to be first. Creator is always first. And that is the Hebrew 
mindset, but it's also the mindset of the follower of Christ, right? You love the Lord first. He's your first consideration. Now, Jesus, if you, if you fast forward into the New Testament, the same power, the same vibe, the same message comes through to Christ followers and his first group of Christ following men. Look at John 15, 19, where he says to them, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. The, the word for world is the Greek word cosmos, right? And it has to, it reflects the culture, the systems, the identities, the ways to be, the ways to believe, the ways to behave that are without God. If you belong to that world, the culture, right? It would love you. Man, isn't that a prophetic word for today? As we kind of look out in culture and we see how godless culture treats now those who follow Christ, the labels that get put on, you know, the persecution around the world, the, the lists of invites that you're not on, um, the, the pursuit of criminalizing, you know, people who just believe in Jesus all over the world. So Jesus reinforces God's message to his followers, and he's like, nope, that's where you used to belong. That's the domain of darkness. That's run by the devil himself. If you belong to that, I would, it would love you, but it doesn't. You think it does sometimes, but it doesn't. As it is, you do not belong to the culture, you belong to Christ. I have chosen you out, ek is the word, out of the, the world and into another domain. So let's just make some very simple observations. Number one, God wants all of me, not some of me. How about that? Yeah, it's like, you said yes, he said yes. And he expects commitment, loyalty, and love, right? Remember when you went and married your wife? Ring went on, you know? Richer for poorer, sickness and in health, till death do us part, I do. You make vows, make decisions, and it's like, all of me is for all of you. That's God's heart. God wants all of you, not some of you, right? But here's the problem. We have a consumer mindset, right? We have lots of relationships. We have lots of people who serve us. We have people who fix our cars. We got people who fix our phones. We got people who serve us coffee. We have people who do our mortgages. We have people who come over and fix stuff around the house. We have people who put on tires. Everybody's got a guy. It's a consumer mindset. Just like it's there's a bunch of a people who accessorize our lives. God is not an accessory. God is number one. God is beyond, 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 and in first place. Creator created, vine branch, shepherd sheep, potter clay, master servant, teacher pupil. He's number one, and we're in the B position. He's not an accessory to our lives that we just kind of throw in there and, you know, maybe we go to church or we go to a, no, he is life. So God wants all of me, not some of me. Number two, God wants me to battle, not blend. You know, and that's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. You know, you're gonna be tempted 
because you're going to want to please people and fit in and get acceptance from men to be quiet or adjust who you are in God in different environments so you don't ruffle the water. You don't stand out. Well, that's totally contrary to what he teaches the disciples. Nope. You're supposed to be salt. You're supposed to be in the mix. You're supposed to be flavoring, influencing. You're light. You shine against the dark, right? And I put you on your lampstand in your ultimate spot so that you can shine your light in this dark world. You're an aroma of Christ. So God expects visibility, all right? You're light. God expects influence. You're salt. God expects you, everywhere you go, to spread the knowledge of Jesus through what you say, how you live, what you do, how you share the love of God, right? how you serve people. Right? Third, God wants Christ versus culture to define me. Jesus can't be more clear. right? He's like, I define you. I love the language that he uses. You do not belong to the world, cosmos, culture that godless system out here that you have to live in, right? You can't escape that, but that culture does not define how you see yourself, how you see other people, how you see purpose, and who you worship, all right? If you belong to that, I would have told you, but I've chosen you out of the world. Implicit is you belong to me. So is it gonna be Christ? Or is it going to be culture? Kind of see how God's energy is, is very clear. It's very direct. He wants to be first. He doesn't want some of you. He wants all of you. You're going to have to battle to stay true to his desires for you. And there's an adversarial relationship with culture. Now, in the Bible, God's men encourage each other along the lines that we've read in Jeremiah and in John 15. Uh, the Apostle Paul with his trainee, Timothy, younger, stud, God's man. But guess what? He's working through what relationship with God means in his context. Listen to older man Paul, veteran, talking to younger rookie Timothy. But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness in a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. So the admonition is rooted in identity. Timothy, you're a man of God. Where does the energy of the man of God go? Well, it goes into fighting the good fight of faith. Least he's being honest. Jesus was honest in John 15. He said, you know what? The world's going to hate you, but remember, it hated me before it hated you. There's going to be a fight. You're going to have to hold on to it. You're going to have to stick to it. You're going to have to sacrifice. Fight the good fight for the true faith, right? And then here's this expression. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you. Do you get the picture? You know, like just think about something or some situation where you 
we're holding on for dear life, right? You're, you're holding on, it means everything, because if you hold on, you'll get there. If you hold on, you'll be safe. If you're, you'll hold on, you won't have any regret. But the Bible tells us that we need to hold on to the eternal life to which God has called. Let God fully define us, define us as we declared when we crossed the line into relationship and we made that commitment, let's work out that commitment and hold tightly. So I love that picture, but there's the basis. There's God's mind on our relationship, okay? He wants all of you, not some of you, right? He wants you to battle for this relationship with him, to protect it and to guard it and to give it priority. And you're gonna fight with the world out there that is godless. That's every day, 24 seven, seven days a week, four weeks a month, 52 weeks out of the year, year after year, until you go to be with God. That's the journey. And I'm glad that God is upfront about that. All right, so there's God's mindset. And so now let's look at, still pouring foundation, let's look at kind of where we start what God does when we initially believe, what happens, and then what, what the plan is, all right? So let's, let's get fully defined by getting the big picture in part one, all right? And to get that, you have to see what God has put into us or given to us to set the relationship and to fully define us. And the first thing that he gives us is the gift of salvation the gift of salvation. Very common verse on that is Romans 6, 23. It says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what is the greatest gift that you can ever receive? Well, it's the gift of eternal life because it's the gift literally and the only one that keeps on giving forever and ever and ever and ever. All right. You know, there's gifts that keep on giving past the first day you receive it, maybe past the first week, maybe past the first year, but at some point they fizzle out and it stops giving. Eternal life is the gift that keeps on giving and God said, I don't want you separated from me, but because you're sinful and because you're imperfect and I'm holy and perfect, there's a problem which he solved and he gave us the gift of eternal life through his son. Wow. All right. Now, what happens? Let's read John 1.12. When he gives us the gift and we open it and receive it for ourselves. But to all who believed him and accepted him, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. So when we believe in his person and work and we accept his person and work personally for ourselves, that's when the transaction happens. And then now we move from being a creation of God to becoming a child of God. Exciting stuff. Now you're part of the family, right? And that's, that's, that's what happens when you receive the gift of salvation. God gives you eternal life and he makes you a part of a family. Don't miss that. God's our father. We're his children. We're born again, we're adopted into this new family. Jesus is our brother, he's also our savior, right? We have brothers and sisters. It's a family dynamic and it's a family dimension. Just think of your own family. 
Does your family have ways to be, ways to believe, and ways to behave? Do you have standards? Do you have rules? Do you have values? I remember telling my kids, hey, you're luck, and they would be leaving for school. You love God, and you encourage people. And that, I said that almost every morning. They were walking out to school, at least when I was there. When you're part of a family, there's this thing called family values. It's kind of like your, your personality, what the family believes, who you are. God's the same way. You're part of a family. God saved you. He made you a part of his family. And just keep that in mind because now we're going to see the next fully defining thing. So what fully defines us is we're part of God's family. Secondly, after the gift of salvation, there is the gift of Holy Spirit impartation. Okay? Now, don't, don't wig out over these words right here. Okay? Very simple. Any of you guys own a computer that has a little chip in it that runs the operating system that allows the applications to flow? Well, if you can understand the language of computer chip that runs applications, right? All the applications, it's, it's, it's at the center of the operating system, all right? Got it? In a relationship with God, at the center of the operating system is God planting the Holy Spirit in you. Upon salvation, the Bible says uh, that God puts his spirit in you. It talks about this in Galatians 4, 6. It says, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. So what makes the dynamic of being in God's family real? It's the Holy Spirit running the salvation application, right? What makes the word of God, we read it, and all of a sudden it cuts to our heart? Well, it's the Holy Spirit running the word of God application in your life. Why are we wanting to help other people? It's the Holy Spirit inside of you changing the way that you think it's fully defining you. All of a sudden, supernatural applications are being run, but they can't be run in and through your life for your relationship with God without the impartation and planting of the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says in John, Jesus says in John 14, he says this, so if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you, and let's finish it together, will be in you. All right, so where is the Holy Spirit, man of God? It's inside of me. What's the role of the Holy Spirit, right? To run the applications and implications of this relationship, right? To make it real, to make intimacy real, to make God's guidance real, to make my identity real, to give me authority, as we'll see moving forward in this series. But for now, just again, what fully defines us is our relationship with God, beginning with the gift of salvation and that we're a part of a family, okay? And then we get the gift, when we're, once we become a part of that family through believing and accepting the person and work of Christ, then something supernatural happens. 
God deposits his Holy Spirit inside of every believer once they make that decision. And now these new applications, these new desires, can't you remember just these new desires, new sense of the future, new sense of forgiveness, conviction, you feel bad about things you didn't feel bad about before, you repent, you, you read God's word, it jumps out to you right off the page, you're worshiping and there's this present Holy Spirit impartation. It's making this work, right? Now, once you're saved and once the Holy Spirit is inside of you, let's look at the third part of the big picture, all right? Which is, all right, what now? God's ultimate intention. Write that down. What is God's ultimate intention? Jesus talks about this and he puts it in the context of kind of coach and player, teacher and student. Listen to what he says. See if you can pick up what his ultimate intention is. Luke 640 says this, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Let's let the paint dry on that one, right? Who's the teacher? Christ. Who's the student? You and me. What's his ultimate intention? That we are gonna become like him, right? Talks about this in Romans chapter eight, verse 29. Again, the headline is, what's God's ultimate intention once he makes you a part of his family and once he puts his spirit inside of you, what process is going on? Listen to Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. Hmm. So our father, who made us his sons, because we believed in the person and work of Christ and we became sons of God. And then he put his spirit inside of us to make the whole relationship real and establish communication and, and, and have a, a way to transact everything that being a follower of Christ means through the Holy Spirit, what's his ultimate intention? Well, he wants all his new sons to reflect their big brother. Look at what the Bible says. For those whom God foreknew, that's us, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I want you to look like him, all right? That he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. So you have Jesus, the model, you have younger brothers coming into the family, the younger brothers look to the model, right? Jesus, in every way, in every dimension. What he does, what he says, how he treats people, what he does in certain situations, what he asks people to do. We look to Jesus because what Jesus models for us is meant for us, okay? So, Again, we go from foundation, which is God wants all of us, not some of us, and we're gonna have to battle, not blend, and there's a war with culture when it comes to your relationship with God. That's a basis, right? Our relationship with him, he wants us all. And then 
we're seeing now how the relationship began, what God did with salvation and Holy Spirit impartation, and then now how what's the process? A process is becoming like Christ. And that's where we get to really the headline of part one, but we had to lay that foundation. The headline for part one is we are fully defined by Jesus's life, by his life. And there's some aspects for how that gets worked out. What's the process, all right? So we're fully defined by his life, write this down, through new character, through new character, right? Talks about this in Philippians chapter one, verse six, says this, there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. All right, I want you to circle great work in you. Well, we just learned that the Holy Spirit at salvation was planted in us. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to make us like Christ. That's God's ultimate intention. And so that's the great work in us. And what does it say about God and this great work? Well, he's going to keep at it. He's going to stay with it. It's not like, oh, you know, I started the Kenny Luck Project and I got bored with that. And no, no. It's sort of like once you receive Christ, God starts chipping away everything that's not Christ, right? It's like the statue of David in Florence, right? And the sculptor said, I just chipped away everything that wasn't David. And then now you have this magnificent thing. Well, God sees Christ in you now, and he's now just kind of chipping away everything that's not Christ, right? And it doesn't happen overnight. That was a long process. This is a lifelong process, but he's staying with it because he's gonna realize the vision, right? And he's gonna use circumstances, delays, difficulties, tests, right? Where you get to make choices to love God and love people in your highs and your lows, when things are going great, when things aren't going great. And God is using that to make you like, sometimes the big blocks fall off, sometimes it's little chis chiseling, but he sees Christ in you and he's gonna form Christ in you, all right? Talks about this, how God forms our character, the character of Christ in us. Romans chapter five, verses three through five says this, and not only this, but we exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Perfe perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out, again, there it is, within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So here, now we're connecting the dots, we're saved. Holy Spirit impartation, ultimate ultimate intention to make you like Christ. Where is he making you like Christ? In your heart and your character, on the inside, right? And here's the thing about character, fellas, and this is a big issue with men. When you have the character of Christ, you start getting more hopeful. I, I've been ministering to men for 30 years. You know when I see men get depressed is when their character, the stuff on the inside, they don't have what it takes to meet the demands of the realities in their lives. 
the realities of staying committed in a marriage, the realities of being a good dad, the realities of breaking the chain, the realities of pressure because of life. But when you have the character of Christ inside, you have perspective, you have strength, you have capacity to meet the demands of the realities in front of you. Don't you want more character? I know I do. That's what we need. Character first. You know, in this whole discussion of toxic masculinity, you know what the missing piece of the puzzle is? Yeah, strength without character is toxic. What does that look like? Selfishness, right? When you have strength, but you don't have character guiding that strength, you'll always choose yourself. You won't say no to yourself and say yes to other people. So I hope you see that this process of receiving Christ, getting the gift of salvation, having the Holy Spirit put inside of you, God's ultimate intention to make you like Christ. He wants you to have the family resemblance. That's an inside process, right? Giving you character, but character is worked out and developed when you make choices under pressure to be like Christ. All right, so that's the first way that we get fully defined on a practical level in our relationship with God, working with his intention, is that when we receive Christ, we get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's making us like him in our character. But here's the cool thing. Character is always expressed, write this down, through new conduct. You get new character, you'll see new conduct, right? Heart, character, conduct, right? Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 12. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up, where? In him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. See a theme, right? What's inside always comes outside. Your inner formation always results in an outer expression, all right? So the question is, what's the source of your inner formation? Is it Christ or is it culture? Is it flesh or is it spirit? Is it the word of God or is it the world, right? So in your heart, you're taking in either truth or you're taking in lies that's shaping your character. Character is expressed in conduct, right? When Jesus says, make a tree good, he's mixing kind of metaphors because you don't, don't, you don't make a tree. There's no, but what he's saying is that when there's a good tree, right, there'll be good fruit. Now, and then he says, a tree is recognized by its fruit. Fruit reflects the source. So, mango tree makes mangoes. When you see the mango, you can say, that's a mango tree. Banana trees make bananas, apple trees make, make apples, on and on and on and on, right? Fruit tells us what the source, the DNA of that, that tree is, all right? Now, are you tracking, right? When we have the character of Christ, when he's at the center in our inner DNA, in our heart, soul, and our mind, when the Holy Spirit is inside of us and we're cooperating with the Holy Spirit, 
and our character changes, now character gets expressed in conduct that shows love for God and people, okay? As opposed to showing love for yourself, right? And your self-importance and your self-gratification and your self-preservation materially, all right? You're outward, and people look at that and they go, hmm, look at that fruit. He shows love for God through these actions. Um, he, he really has a heart for people. He's able to say no to himself, to say yes to other people. Oh, yeah. He must have Christ in his life. See how that works? So, we're fully defined by Jesus' life in us. His spirit is in us. We're fully defined through new character, through new conduct, right? And it talks about this in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And here's some, some practical ways that you know you're becoming more like Christ because these are the character qualities uh, that lead to conduct that gets expressed in Christ. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, right? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. So how do I know I'm becoming more like Christ in my character? Well, it's when in my conduct, people see that I am more loving. I am more joyful. I'm more at peace, not in the absence of adversity, but in the presence of adversity. More patience with others, more kindness, more goodness. Wow, commitment, faithfulness. I'm gentle, I'm not harsh. And instead of living out of control, by God's grace, I have the power of self-control. That's how we know. I would wanna know. And that's our journey. It doesn't happen all overnight, but progressively as you come to know God and you love him in every way and form that you know possible and you love others, you're gonna become more like Christ. So we're fully defined, how do we know? Through new character, through new conduct. Lastly, through new Christ-likeness, right? That's the end game. Look at what it says in 1 John 4, 17, and others will see this, watch. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus where? Here in this world. So, translation, earth is preparation for eternity. How do we prepare for eternity? We live like Jesus in this world, and we can face him with a lot of confidence if we're aligned with how God thinks about the relationship. We are partnering with the Holy Spirit who's been planted in us to make decisions in every dimension of our lives to show love for God and people. And as we do that, the character of Christ begins to manifest in conduct and our love grows more perfect. Wow, that's cool. You know, Jesus alluded to this, these sons of God becoming like their big brother, the son of God. When he said this in John 14, 12, he said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because 
I'm going to the Father. Right? So the key words in here is anyone who believes will do. That's the process. That's Jesus's ultimate intention. And he actually verbalizes it and says, you know what? You see me? See what I do? You're going to be doing that. But because I'm only doing it for a short amount of time, but you're here after I go, you're going to be doing a lot more things, right? Just on a metrics scale dimension, that's true, right? Because Jesus dies, resurrects, goes to heaven. We have the Holy Spirit. 2.3 billion believers have the Holy Spirit, are becoming like Christ in their character, through new character, through new conduct, through new Christ-likeness, just on a scale dimension that is greater than the work that Jesus did in his physical life on earth, all right? So the big question is, am I working with God's spirit to become more like Christ? Intentional pause. You have to think about that. Am I working? We're going to keep that slide up. And I just want you to read those words. Am I working with God's spirit right now to become more like Christ? Am I saying no to myself to say yes to other people? Am I letting my feelings or my faith define my identity and my circumstances? Right? Am I full of peace and patience? Or am I full of panic, right, and harshness? These are easy questions to answer, but, you know, God might be calling you to repentance right now, that your life is maybe partially defined by your relationship with God. Classic male gift of compartmentalization. We are sort of defined by our relationship with God instead of fully defined by the life of Christ, right? We're very Christian when we're at men's group or when we're at church, but you know, when we're at work, we're a different person. Or when we're driving in our car, we're a different person, all right? We're divided between what we believe and how we actually live and think, and God is calling every man of God on the planet to be fully defined by his relationship with God in every dimension of his life, in every space, in every place, where you live, where you work, where you pray, where you play. God wants it all, and he wants you to express Christ and be the aroma of him in all of those dimensions of your life. You see, God's not one-dimensional. Other things may be one-dimensional. We act this way when we're here, and we're in that, that situation. We act this way here, and that's one-dimensional. God and your expression for God goes with you everywhere. It's portable, right, in your identity. So am I working with God's Spirit to become more like Christ? Now, here, let's look at a passage from God's Word that sort of ties the whole idea of how we're fully defined by our relationship with God because we got saved, God put his spirit in us, and he began this process. This, he has this vision for us to become like our big brother Jesus in our character, in our conduct, and to reflect Christ-likeness. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. It says this, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
So all of us have had the veil removed, who have had the veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. The Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So let me, in closing, demystify what we just read, all right? God, through his Holy Spirit, lives inside of you. And through this this session even, or maybe at salvation, he lifted this veil and he's like, okay, here's a new set of glasses. You put those on. I'm giving you my set of glasses now for how you see yourself, how you see other people, how you see your purpose, where to put your energy, how we build this relationship, right? And I want to fully define your life now. The truest truth about you is what I say is true. Now, not what your feelings say are true, not what circumstances say are true, not what your friends say are true, not what culture says is true, what I say is true. The truest truth about you is what I say is true. Right? So now, anytime knowing God's desire, God's example, Jesus' life, we have an opportunity in right where we are, where we live, in our, to show love for God or people. All right? We got a choice to make. We can choose ourselves or we can show love for God and people. Anytime that you do that, right, you're working with the Holy Spirit to become like Christ. So I hope that demystifies it for you. You know, two simple convictions, love God and love people, many expressions. So when I'm at work, it may look a little different. When I'm at home and with my wife, it may look a little different. When I'm with my kids, it may look a little different. When I'm with the neighbor, it may look a little different. When I'm on the road, it may look a little different. When I'm at church, it may look a little different. But I have those two convictions, and that's where we really begin this whole process of letting God fully define us and realizing his ultimate intention under which everything else works in the spiritual life, which is to make you like Christ. So let's bow our heads, put down your pencils wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this podcast. This is, this is a holy moment. If you've been receiving the ministry of God's word, if the Holy Spirit is making his word and intention come alive, I want you to just pause and just, just lift your hands like this just to receive, palms up, right? Just receive this blessing. Father, I bless all sons of God right now, afresh, afresh. I pray on all sons of God, a fresh sense of your presence in their lives and on their lives and through their lives, through the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, manifest your presence right now. Remind us of the gift of salvation and remind us of the depositing of your presence, Jesus, in us through the Holy Spirit. And thank you, God, for your ultimate intention that salvation and impartation is designed to make us like Christ. I thank you, God, that you're using all blessings and challenges in men's lives to forge that image. You're, you're chipping away. You're, you're even using problems and difficulties to get us to make decisions 
in faith to show love for God and people, whereas before, maybe we would have made selfish decisions and made people suffer. So, Lord, I declare new conduct. I declare new character that drives the new conduct. I pray, Holy Spirit fruit, more love on my brothers, more joy through my brothers, more peace, patience, Lord, more kindness today in such a harsh cultural moment, more goodness, God. I pray men would be dangerous with goodness in the power of the Holy Spirit, more faithfulness to you and to their most important relationships. Lord, more gentleness, even as you are gentle with us. God, definitely give me and every brother listening to me more self-control, Lord. We can't do it on our own. Holy Spirit, fill us, lead us, control us, and, and, and cause us to choose loving God and loving people under pressure, Lord, no matter what. Jesus, thank you that we get to work with the Holy Spirit, your Spirit who lives inside of us, I pray that we would now enter into the greater works, Lord, right now on planet Earth. I pray for the 700 million or so men who name your name. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict them. I pray that you would fill them. I pray that you would make them more like Christ. And that the world would see the image of Christ, the fruit of Christ reflected in us so that they would know through our conduct who is at the center of our heart and our character. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Don't sign off, fellas, because I have a huge announcement. All right. On August 27th in Austin, Texas, we are having the Dangerous Good Conference. All right. What's that? It's an immersive one-day conference, 3.30 to 9.30. Who's on the team? Who's joining me? Brandon Lake from Maverick City and Bethel Music. Chris Kilala from Jesus Culture. Mac Brock is on the Dangerous Good team. Chris Davenport from Hillsong. All right, and we have a few other cool special guests that you're not gonna wanna miss, but this is the most immersive, best men's conference you've ever experienced, August 27th. Now, there are some of you, especially you guys in Texas, are like, I'm coming, all right? Just go to everymanministries.com. It'll be right there. You'll see the, the billboard and the carousel. As soon as you go to everymanministries.com, what's the price? Well, guess what? We're blessing the city of Austin. We're providing everything for you. So there is no excuse, especially for you Austin guys, right? Come gather. There is going to be an eruption of the spirit and an eruption of goodness that's gonna start flowing into the city of Austin. As a result, I'll leave it there. Go to everymanministries.com, sign up for the Dangerous Good Conference, August 27th, Austin, Texas. See you there.